looks like Ryan's now in the studio. Hey, Ryan, what's going on? What's up? Been a few minutes. It's, yeah, three weeks, huh? <laughs> oh, my God. Dude. That's yeah, all right. Life gets in the way. Yeah. Just kind of wish that it would just settle down. <laughs> I imagine. All right. Let's see if I remember how to do the intro here. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the It's Too Wordy comic book podcast, where a couple of buddies talk about comics from their childhood and today. I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And today we are going to be reviewing Red Sonia, the superpowers, number one, and Crisis on Infinite Earths, number seven. So, uh, boy, where do you want to start, Nick? <laughs> let's, uh, let's just start out with Red Sonia, the superpowers. All right. All right. Uh, this came out, what, three weeks ago, I guess, mm -hmm. at this point. And uh, it's Dan Abbott that's doing it, is writing it, and Jonathan Lau is the artist. And um, when we were talking about doing this, you and I kind of went back and forth a little bit on it because, you know, a lot of Red Sonia stuff over there out there with the crossovers and the people from other universes, not really, you know, I always felt like Sonya and Conan were kind of off in their own universe and shouldn't be messed with by other characters from that publisher, in my opinion. Um, so I didn't have a ton of high hopes on this one when I went into it, but it was actually really enjoyable. And I give Dan Abbott a lot of credit for that. Um, so what's taking place here is Sonia is riding along on a horse. Uh, she's got this mark on her head. She gets jumped by bandits that, um, uh, are trying to stop her from going to kill somebody, which we'll talk about in a minute. And she just slaughters them <laughs> very easily. And then you find out that she uh, was hired by a clan. I think it would be a clan uh, to go kill this sorcerer. Yeah. Uh, Scarab Nor, right? Yeah. Scarab Nor. Just found the name as you said it. Um, <laughs> and they hire her to go take care of this sorcerer. And so she's going to, she's like, yeah, I don't really believe in sorcery or whatever. And she's going to go take care of them. And as she's coming along, she gets to the top of this, uh, mountain and she kind of looks down and there are four superheroes. You're assuming they're superheroes. Uh, judging by the name of superpowers, <clears throat> standing there, and they're all coming from different places. You have Vanna from Plural World 6741. Uh, you have Captain Future from Plural World 0135. Mr. Raven from Plural World 1119, who looks like um, uh, Midnighter from the JSA. 
Only blue. Yeah. Yeah, I could say that. Wait, no, I'm thinking Midnighter from or Doctor Midnight. Well, they kind of look Midnight? the same. Yeah, he yeah. looks like Doctor Midnight. He's okay. like the the dynamite Batman in this. Okay. Because he's the he's the smartest man in the world, right? Is that what he calls himself, or is he like the he, or the greatest detective of his he planet? Calls himself yeah. the greatest detective. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got a cowl on and a suit. Um, and then you have the sword from Plural World eight one three zero. It looks like a knockoff of Aquaman. And <laughs> or he's the Shining Knight. Because they're using public domain characters, so yeah. and they, they like to change them up a little bit. So yeah. I mean Samson's in it from the old Samson uh, Golden Age book. I'm not uh, the guy with the lightning bolt on his chest. I'm not sure what they call him in this. They call him uh, Captain Future. Yep. But okay, so when I was reading this, I was like expecting it to feel like the Vampirella superpowers. This right. had felt nothing like that. Nothing. No. I, I I really I really did like this though. I you know. Sony ends up fighting with all these guys and I like the fact that they came to her time and it wasn't like she got pulled forward into their time because it right. feels she would feel a lot more out of place with that. Um, this was just really good. The art was fantastic. Um, you could actually believe that Sonya could probably hold her own against against these guys with her fight, uh, the way she can fight. Um, you know, it leaves on a massive cliffhanger. I I can't wait to read the next one of these. Um, I think my biggest complaint is. Dynamite, I I can't see how they're making enough money to publish how many covers are on this thing. Oh my god. They've got well three full pages of covers that you can find for Red Sonia superpowers. Well, I think for every issue of Vampirella, there's 26 different covers. Oh it drives me so I work at a comic shop, part you know, part time, and I hate and I work in the backstock and I hate dealing with dynamite books, especially Vampirella. <laughs> yeah, because not only is there six different Vampirella books going on, but like you said, there's like twenty six covers for each one, and then you have the special ones that they only send out to certain stores, and yeah, so oh. Cataloging that in your catalog, you know, like you're on your phone and stuff like I do and we do. Yeah. It's like, okay, what issue is this? You know, I have, I have one that only, there's only 500 issues ever made and I can't find it in our app. So 
It's like shit. Okay, oh, well, I'm just gonna have to remember that I have that. Yeah. Well, you can you can manually add it in. It's not yeah, really I know. hard. Um, you know, I I'm okay with doing maybe two variant covers. If you want to do a what they call a virgin cover of one of them, great. And you want to do a cosplay cover, fantastic. Four covers. If you get, I mean, I think the blank cover thing has died out completely, so get rid of it. Four covers, keep it simple. But we're looking at three, let's see, that's nine. We're looking at 27, 20, 30 different covers mm-hmm. for this book. Yep. It's not needed. <laughs> no, because they're almost all identical. Yeah. You know, they're just like, oh, this one has a minor difference in it. This one's black and white of the same thing. This one just doesn't have the logo on it. This one is like, oh, God. Right. I'm not hunting all them down. You know, and I shouldn't say much because I do that with all the Green Lantern stuff. But I'd just be just as happy if they did one cover and still publish the book I like. Okay. I just do it so I I have something to collect. Doing 30 different books of and dynamite just oh insane. Other otherwise, I recommend you pick it up. It's really, really, really good. All right, that takes us over to Crisis with the iconic cover of Superman holding his cousin. Supergirl, and he's crying on the planet. You know, he's on the planet and holding her. And how many different books have used uh, just a knockoff knockoff of that cover? This. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so here we go. Um, where we last left them, and forgive me if I don't remember all the details of this. Read this a couple of weeks ago, but uh, so where we left last left them, we have Alexander Luther and uh, Herminger standing on a floating rock, and uh, Pariah shows up, and um, <clears throat> Pariah take <clears throat> excuse me, Pariah grabs both of them and takes them off, and they decided they needed to have a meeting with at least one person from each planet and kind of explain everything out. Be a little more forward thinking than what the monitor was doing and not providing information. Um, We hop over to Earth-S, Shazam's planet, or Captain Marvel's planet, and uh, Dr. Savannah is there and... He's trying to figure out what's going on because there's all this time fluctuation stuff going on. And I love this part of it. Um, Savannah sees Captain Marvel and says, well, if it isn't the big red cheese himself, love it. Uh, (laughs) You would think that would be beneath somebody as intelligent as he is, but uh, no. Oh no, that's, that's been going on since forever. Um, and as Captain Marvel's about to catch them, they disappear, 
and you see the thought bubble of Savannah saying, basically, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm not going to let Captain Marvel have a clue that I don't know what's going on. Um, now, I ended up a little confused here because Supergirl and Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel Jr. are all hanging out again. And in the last issue, they're all beating the crap of, out of each other. There was no segue to indicate anything had changed until right, there, this next page. There was nothing saying that the Psycho Pirates control is gone. Right. Yeah. No, there's a comment that Psycho Pirates, he said himself, I'm losing control of everything. And, but you didn't see how that corresponded with everybody he was controlling. It basically just ended in the book, right? Right. So... Um, we see that Dr. Savan or Savannah is now on Brainiac's ship and, um, Supergirl and Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel and Junior are talking and you find out that they feel much better. They don't feel like they're being controlled any longer. Everything's great. Um, and this is where Harbinger shows up and, um, says that she's got a lot to explain and they're only going to take one representative and then we hop over to Earth 2 and the current uh, Wildcat? Wildcat. I want want to say Black Cat. You know, female in a black costume, you want to say Black Cat. Anyhow, Wildcat is creeping on some members of the JSA, they're Green Arrow, Adam, and Liberty Bell. And she's going to go down and introduce herself. And she overhears what the Adam's saying, where he's talking about how Ted's one of his oldest friends. And uh, maybe this isn't uh, a game where it's more of a game for young people now. And nobody's ever going to replace Ted. And so the new Wildcat's like, you know what, I'm going to go prove myself, and then I'll introduce myself. So then they realize I'm actually worth something. We hop over to Earth 4. Pariah is retrieving somebody from there. And I swear to you, that synchronicity thing that goes on, we see John Cena dressed like Peacemaker in the Suicide Gods commercial. And <laughs> now he's like showing up and everything. And I mean, he's, he was in this before that was even a thought i'm sure but oh yeah you don't even real you don't even realize it until you're like really peacekeeper yeah <laughs> <laughs> um pry is grabbing somebody saying he tells them that they were all under psycho pirates um influence and um we get some more time with blue beetle again yay uh yeah. hop over to earth x and i will say that Peacemaker has still has the worst helmet in all of comic books. Oh, seriously, he looks like a satellite. It's, it's just or uh, one of those big old antenna dishes that people used to have in their yards. <laughs> on a, on a side note, I've been looking through those Golden Age books, and there's there's one of him where the the fin looks like it's front to back, not side to side. It's oh. like the artist was even like, you know, screw this. This is this is the dumbest helmet ever. Yeah. Oh. It's horrible. All right. 
we hop over to Earth X. Freedom Fighters are there. Starfire is talking to Sam, Uncle Sam, and um, saying that they need their help. Um, and Uncle Sam's like, "Yeah, you got it, darling." And um, <laughs> and you see him just kind of going from place to place to place, and um, grabbing these people. And Luther, Alexander Luther, is grabbing the Superman. And now we are on the floating rock with a representative from each planet. We have Lady Quark, the sole survivor of her universe, Superman of Earth-1, and they label him the greatest of all heroes, Uncle Sam, the embodiment of hope and peace, Captain Marvel, without doubt the world's mightiest mortal, uh, Superman of Earth-2, the legend from which all others have come, and Blue Beetle who... And Blue Beetle's like, yeah, who cares? Get it over with. Let's get moving. I want to know what's going on. <laughs> Which, yay. Um, all right. This part I'm trying to remember a little bit because I, it was a, this one got really wordy. Um, <laughs> Lady Quark basically said that she wants revenge. Superman, both the Superman are like, nope, we don't fight for revenge. We fight for freedom. Wherever there's trouble. Oh, that's G.I. Joe. Um, but they go into the story of Kronos and how he um, was a guardian that kind of went off the deep end and somehow created all these different universes and the opposites of the universes, if I remember right. Um and they go into the story of how uh, they started creating the Manhunters, and then um, <clears throat> let's see, the Guardians kind of split into two groups, and so forth and so on. And because there's a anti Oa, which is Quard, um, this is where the anti monitor became came into being and so you know basically for every good there's an evil counteractive thing monitor and him start fighting they put put each other into some kind of a comatose state and then pariah starts talking about how uh he was a scientist and he, was trying, he wanted to do increased knowledge and so forth and so on. And he created this cube and created a portal and jumped through the portal. And when he got there, he was so much positive energy, it reanimated the anti-monitor. And so this was kind of a little pariah's fault. And when the anti-monitor woke up, he tried to kill the monitor, which woke him up. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Um, all right. So they still, they're all chit-chatting about all this stuff. Then we hop over to uh, where we see the Spectre, Phantom Stranger, and Dead Man. And um, the Spectre saying that their magics can't uh, survive the anti-monitor universe and 
we see Huntress and Power Girl uh, sitting around and getting ready to help wherever they can. And uh, who's this guy? I remember I, the, the flame. Is it the flame? Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say some guy knock off from the Princess Bride. Right. Um, it's the it's the Red Pirate Roberts. <laughs> And uh, then the human bomb and doll man are all talking. Um, oh, it's fire. I know firebrand It's firebrand. Okay. And talking about how they could all separately attack the entire monitor universe and blue beals back talking to a dressed down peacekeeper now because he's no longer got the, He's in a gold shirt opposed to the, what was he have, red shirt at the beginning? Yes, a red shirt. <laughs> yeah, he, he, same helmet, though. See, it's very clear nobody cares about Peacemaker. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, oh, we'll just put him in this weird yellow shirt. And then in the Marvel Universe, or in the uh, Earth S, um, Let's see, Dud was it? Yeah, Junior, Uncle Dudley. Dud, Uncle Dudley and oh. Mary are all talking. And um and saying how they hope everybody succeeds. And then we hop back up onto the rock. This is a very popular rock. Uh because yeah. now we have a lot more people on it. We have Jade and uh Captain Adam and Supergirl, Firestorm. Monel uh, and uh, the Ray. Yep, the Ray. Just trying to catch everybody that's kind of hanging around in the background there. And they're creating a strike force to go after the anti monitor. And Alexander Luthor is charging up and creates this portal. And poof, Pariah grabs them and they all take off. Um,. Then we are inside the Anti-Monitor universe and um, Alan Scott's in there now. You know, he was there previously with Dr. Light. Anyhow, all these powerful individuals. And <clears throat> they decide to go, they're following Pariah to take down the Anti-Monitor. And they get to this fortress and it reminds me a little bit of what they did in Superman returns when uh, Luther took the crystal and created the, that earthquake type thing. And like Antarctica came up and created this fortress for Luther to hang out in. Um, But this is in space and they are about to go in and the anti-monitor sees all this is happening and uh, tell Psycho Pirate to start taking control of the situation. Psycho Pirate's like, yeah, I got to recharge. I can't keep on doing this like just nonstop like you want. And he's like, I knew I should pick somebody else, but it's too late now. Uh, you failed me. And um, let's see. Yeah, they're still on the attack. I'm trying to see if there's anything important there. Um, no, not really. I mean, no. they're just fighting a bunch of rocks that come out of the walls. Yeah. Uh, for three pages. 
Earth 2 Superman starts bleeding from the nose uh, and is shocked. So he's not as strong and powerful here as he thought he was or as he normally is. Um, but they're all fighting a bunch of rocks. Superman and Supergirl, Superman from Earth 1 and Supergirl managed to break away. And <laughs> is this the one that said... Uh, Oh, yeah, Supergirl's like, I can blow these pieces away. Uh, Super Breath may be one of my dumber powers, but it can come in handy sometimes. I love the fact that they're calling that out as well. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just like the dumb look on Captain Adam's face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh. Uh, you can do what? Firestorm's talking to Professor Stein and saying, hey, why is my powers working like they normally do? And Professor Stein's like, uh, well, we're in the antimatter universe. Your powers don't work exactly the same. So Firestorm's a little annoyed that uh, he was, wasn't told sooner. Um, Alan Scott's just happy that it's a rock and not a forest fortress. Right, it's not, not a log cabin in space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyhow, um, Dr. Light and Pariah are still moving forward, and Pariah gets cut off, and Superman from Earth-1 runs into her, and they go tearing off to the center of this fortress, I suppose. And Dr. Light knows exactly what this is, and uh, as far as the technology goes, and... um, wants to start working on it and Superman gets attacked from behind. Well, Supergirl hears that Superman screams out in pain and goes tearing off to go help him. And the anti-monitor is taking it to Superman. Dr. Light tries to hit him, but to no avail, doesn't do anything. And, um, Supergirl's still flying through. Everybody else is fighting the rocks. And she comes barreling in and just socks anti-monitor and just keeps on going and going. And it doesn't look like it does much damage to him because she he just turns around and pops her and she goes flying off. And uh, she's like, I'm not going to let you kill Superman. Uh, you know, he's, he's the world's hope. I'm not going to allow it. And so she, she does the classic, picks up the rug, only it's a bunch of rock and flips it in the air, and into my order goes flying. And um, now his suit is getting destroyed. His physical form is starting to appear. And uh, Superman's still knocked out. Supergirl goes, hey, I'm going to take care of this. Dr. Light, you get her, get him out of here. And she goes tearing into the anti-monitor and just pushes him into the machine, starts pounding on him. And uh, Superman wakes up just in time to see that Supergirl explodes. And the Anti-Monitor gets into his ship and takes off. Um, Everybody's kind of beat down from all the rocks and everything. And Superman grabs Supergirl. She's able to say... um, you're supposed to be the brave one, so stop crying and passes. 
Okay. Superman from Earth 2 is trying to calm Superman from Earth 1 down. Um, you see Superman carrying out Supergirl and they fly off and they get back to Earth and they do the uh, Superman, Supergirl's dead on the Daily Planet and they show uh, Lana Lang talking about her and Batgirl talking about her and how it has impacted all the heroes and then we flip over to Superman Earth 1 style and he is at the Fortress of Solitude and he's got her wrapped in her cape and she he flies her off into space um, and saying that we'll be, you know, we live on remembering and hoping the past, but always looking to the future and we miss you. And that's where that issue ends. That's yeah. That is the longest issue out of all of these. I think. Oh, it was painful. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the second half was really good, but again, the explanations going on for page after page after page after page. I I will hand it to them, Wolfman and Perez. They. They want to tell a complete story. They don't want to just go, this guy appears and he's our bad guy. You know? Right. They want to give you some answers. So I I hand that to them. But they do like to talk. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of wonder. You know, like we've been saying to to George Perez, just be like, God damn it, Marv. You want me to do what? How many what? How many guys you want me to draw on this? Yeah. Oh, and I wish I would have asked him about that. I'm trying to remember. That was monthly, wasn't it? Yeah. So he had Prez had to be close to at least five, four or five books ahead, don't you think? Before they even started releasing it. Yeah, he had to have been because there's there's. I, Guys can't even do it now with like single character books, you know. Oh yeah, he's doing like fifty characters in a book, and he was consistent. You didn't see outside of uh, Peacekeeper where he was in the red shirt. Now he's in a gold shirt, but they looked the same throughout. Same costumes, everything. It is an incredible read, but that that one was just wow. Okay, so when did Dr. Light learn English? Was that in a I, previous issue? Because they didn't bring up that, oh, she's Japanese. Because they did it like the first two times you've seen her. Like she was speaking in Japanese. I and remember. Then, then all of a sudden it, in this one, she's speaking in English. Yeah, there was a part in something that they were, a, or she was able to start communicating um, in English with like some kind of uh, a device or something where she could start speaking in English or something or am I getting that confused with something else it seems like I remember seeing something about that with Dr. Light yeah I can't remember yeah oh. alright so <laughs> did you have any uh, random reads, Nick? I did. 
Can you believe it? I actually read two comics this week. Not that I, they were ones that I really wanted to, but I, I read them anyway. Um, so, so it's funny, right? I'm reading books that I've never read before or ones that I read before in the past and I didn't like back then, but I kind of dig now. Does that make any sense? Like, no, I, I understand it. I, I'm the same way. I'm like, I didn't like this when I was a kid or I didn't like this the first like time I read it. And then I read it now. It's like, wow, I get it now. It makes sense. Like I'm giving it another shot. Yeah. Right. So I, uh, I read the protectors issue one from Malibu comics. God, this thing had to have been 1992. I was thinking 92 or 93. So the first thing that you notice is the Samuel Clark Haybaker cover. He did Nomad covers. Yeah. Yeah. Like we met him at a con and he's super awesome. I met him uh, when he brought out Nomad number one. He came to town and he was at Ground Zero. And he was the first comic book guy I ever met. And I was probably 13 or 14. So I was super nerdy. I was like, I love your book. Can you sign this? And that's all I said to him, right? And 20, 30 years later, I got to meet him at another con. And I was like, sorry for being such a complete nerd back in my, when I was 13, but you were the first guy I ever met. And I thought it was really awesome, right? So. Yeah. And he remembered who you were, didn't he? Yes. So (laughs) (laughs) he told me the story about uh, the, the store. The previous owners put him in a hotel, but they put him in like this weird uh, honeymoon room and he was by himself. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so this story is about. Uh, how, how do I put this? There's a group of terrorists running around. They got like Iron Man suits on and they're they're led by a guy named Mr. Monday who looks like Doomsday meets Iron Man meets Dr. Doom, right? So he's got a skull face. It's all made of metal. And um, this is based in Washington, D.C. So the president, who I, I believe right, used to be or one of his his cabinet it's been like three weeks since i've read this like one of his cabinet used to be one of the superheroes and the superheroes have gone away but they've kept track of them like there's no more supervillains except for mr monday who's just suddenly appeared and the president puts out an order to bring back the protectors which are a group from world war ii and they this is really pretty violent. I mean, they, they bring back like man of war from the golden age. Who else is in this? Um, da, 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 da. Man of war, mighty man, the witch airman, the shark, the arrow and ferret. The ferret. If you never read anything else by Malibu, he's in a complete psycho, uh, <laughs> complete psycho. He's so not he's in this. The answer to Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, mix. Wolverine and Wild Child together, and you pretty much got the ferret. So they they put this team together to fight him, and uh, 
there's, there's probably a lot of like infighting and all this other crap that hasn't gone on yet, but it's only like 20 pages long. So it really doesn't give you that much of it other than putting the team together. There, there's one guy that I think they were trying to get like a super cool up to date black terror because he, he's all black. He wears a Cape. He's got a skull face. They really love their skull faces in this. Um, <laughs> what is his name? Gravestone. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's not bad. I mean, it's pretty good. I'm not sure if I'm going to get the rest of them, but it's one of the better nineties books. They do lie and tell you that there's a poster inside. It's not a poster. It's an ad for the same book you're reading. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's two pages big and it's got like the characters that are in the book, but half of the bottom is just completely like white, like, like a, maybe an eighth of the bottom is white and it's got all the, the copyrights and stuff. It's like, Oh geez. Okay. Well, that's not a poster guys, not a poster at all. Then I picked up warp number one from first comics. And this is from 1983. So this is the height of, barbarians on tv on <laughs> comics on cartoons you know you had black star you had he-man you had conan you had cole you had uh, oh. thundar you know yeah um and i guess you could bring warlord into this too but this guy this guy's outfit outdoes all of them so imagine daredevil in the original red and yellow, but without the yellow. So it's just the red, like, singlet. But it's cut all the way down to his navel. He's got a yellow cape. He's got a weird yellow codpiece and cavalier boots. Oh, and don't forget the Wonder Woman headband, right? Oh, my God. So the story is actually pretty cool. It's a guy named David Carson. He's a bank teller and he's, he's on earth and he gets sucked into a different reality where he comes out like he's, he used to be in a mental asylum because he's having all these visions and he's finally gotten over them, right? He's been seeing this, this uh, Lord Cumulus, who's like this dark wizard. And he 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 finally believes that his, he's sane enough to actually go out and find a job, right? So he's got a job as a bank teller. He's got a, he's got a girlfriend. He's going to marry her and she's the daughter of the owner of the bank. So he's, he's, he's got it made, right? So, and one night he's asleep and he just is gone. Boom, gone. And he wakes up with a lady named Valeria, right? And she, okay, so she's wearing a green, like a black, like bikini made of strings. Like it's like strings around her waist, around her arms. Um, she's got uh, butterfly wings on her back and she's got like these weird 
butterfly glasses. It's it, this is like I will say that the guy who wrote this must have been on some major drugs. But so he wakes up with her and she's all like, you know, you you're here to fight the evil wizard Lug Banda, Lugal Banda, right? And he Oh my god. Yeah. So he kind of starts feeling like she's playing him, like she's got like this she's trying to manipulate him into believing that this Lugal Banda is a, a bad guy, but he he believes like that's a lie. And so she starts, she conjures up a dagger and she's going to stab him in the back. And he says, Oh no, you don't, you little bitch. Ooh. She's like, so it's bitch. Is it? And she just tries to kill him with her, her mechanoids and her swarm of bees. She's a butterfly. Why does she command bees? But where do they get bees in space? <laughs> but so, um, so another like warp thing happens, and he gets sucked through, and he's now sitting in front of this old aged wizard, and you find out that this is Luggelbanda, and he's got him all like he's he's kind of like got him like in chains. He's like, you know, don't worry about the chains. It was just so you didn't attack me and we didn't have to have this whole fight. And I just want to talk to you before we, you know. So he, he starts to explain that uh, David is actually a guy named uh, what is his name? So you have Cumulus and you also have him. What is his name? Sargon. Right? No. Sargon is the chick. He is... He is Lord Cumulus. And Lord, like, Prince Chaos is the main villain of this. So he's named after a cloud. I was like, his name is Cumulus? <laughs> so, yeah. So he, he's Lord Cumulus, and he was transported to Earth... For some reason, I cannot remember, right? And so he he introduces her to a woman named Sargon, who is the Tila of the book. And she's like the super badass, and she has to train him. But of course, these guys couldn't have grabbed David off of Earth at the worst possible time, because they could have grabbed him at any time in the past. But now, he's got to learn how to use this warp power in, in no time, right? So to go fight Lord chaos or prince chaos and they have this weird like telepathic telekinetic abilities and she's got to train him like luke skywalker so they he she puts this like cloak over his head and he's got to fight these mechanoids with the force with but he can't see them and uh i'm trying to make this seem interesting but it's actually not so bad, but it just doesn't seem like it comes off across like this is not a stupid book. This is actually a good book, but it sounds really stupid when somebody says it out loud. But there's a second story by John Ostrander in it, so that's pretty cool. 
and oh. inked by Joe Staten. And so, and it's all about Sargon and how she has to go to another planet to find some kind of amulet. And she ends up defeating everybody and comes home and gives the amulet to Lulabonga, the wizard. It's worth it's worth a dollar. I mean, I spent 20 cents on it, so I can't really say it was horrible. I mean, I read it in one time, which for me, that's pretty hard to do. But it's okay. I mean, I wouldn't run out and get it. I mean, there's a reason why it's only worth two bucks for the whole series. So, um, yeah, I I would give it a maybe a three out of five. You know, mm, it was worth me picking up like ten issues for two bucks. So, yeah, not too bad. That's the best time to check those out with Alan shows. Yeah. Nice. That's that's all I got. Well, I have four of them. Have you ever heard of the Boz Chronicles? Yes. This is by Epic Comics. Came out in 85. It's fun. I loved it. So, uh... <laughs> I don't think I ever read it. Oh. It, it is like E.T. meets Sherlock Holmes is what it is. <laughs> okay. So um, it starts off with, like old London and um, this woman of the night is uh, taking a es- or escorting somebody up to a private place. And they get up into this attic area, and there is a what appears to be a guy standing on a stool with a noose around his neck. And he's about to kill himself. And she's like, yeah, I'm not going to let that happen. And stepped up and said, you know, why don't we get you down there, you know, he comes down, and uh, as they're walking away, you see there's like this tail thing coming out from his backside. All right. Then we jump ahead to six months later, and they're in this big, fancy uh, brownstone, and they call him Boz or Bozzy, and he's looking at all these books, and he's like, I'm really bored. I've already read like this gigantic library of books like three times. Um, I need something to do. And um, as they're sitting there, somebody comes in and wants to hire them because apparently he is so lonely and he got stuck on his home, on this planet and he has no way of getting back to his own planet that, um, uh, when he thinks about it, he gets depressed. And so she's trying to keep him distracted. And so they started doing detective work. So she gets, they get hired to look into a death of a political figure. And normally that's not a big deal, but this guy has already previously died and she's got the death certificate to prove it. 
And Bozzy comes over and is like, yeah, we'll take it. Deal. Let's go. And as they're getting ready to leave to go see what's going on with this guy, uh, a big lightning bolt crashes down outside the building, and the person that just hired him is now dead. And then they get into Bozzy's backstory a little bit about him being on a, being on a planet and how uh, he crash-landed and uh, people look at him weird and so forth and so on. I mean, he's massive compared to everybody else. And they go out to this house where the politician lived and said, oh, we have, we're scheduled to take a, you know interview. They're playing the part of a reporter. And they go in, and the guy that died yesterday is standing there talking to him. And he's like, I don't remember scheduling this. And they're like, well, you know, we made the appointment with your assistant. Anyhow, she, and Bossy's like, okay, I'm good, let's go. Because you see him talking to a bird in the background, and they take off. Anyhow, come to find out, after many, many more pages... Um, there is like this Illuminati group who are trying to take over the world and they're starting with London and um, they have hired the scientist who is able to reanimate dead people and that's why this guy keeps on coming back and we get towards the end of the issue and Bozzy gets captured and his friend, the girl, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember what her name is, uh, read this three weeks ago, is looking for some help and runs into a guy that is a bare knuckle brawler and she grabs him and he's like, oh yeah, let's go save your friend. And they jump into where Bozzy is being held and start beating each other up. Bozzy destroys the machine that's reanimating people and the building's caught on fire. And uh, they all somehow form a team and they're going to move forward with it. So there's that detective aspect of it from the Sherlock Holmes end of things. And Bozzy is a big alien creature who now has a bare knuckle fighter and a prostitute as cohorts. It was really enjoyable. <laughs> I got it for a quarter. So, I mean, you can't beat it. All right. Um, this one I was very hesitant about picking up, but I did it anyhow. Uh, because they had Sinestro on it in a Green Lantern costume. And it's Generation Shattered. Um, this was another one of those spend $10 to read me books. And... Uh, it's written by Jurgens, Vendetti, and Schmidt. And then you got right, uh, art from Ivan Reese, uh, Kevin Nolan, Regs Morales, Doug Brathwaite, um, and so many more. And the devil himself, J.R.J.R. Um, <laughs> oh, I did not see that, and I got to that pa the page. I'm like, oh. Luckily, it was just only two panels or something like that. Um, so this <laughs> starts off with, uh, 
Commandy, my favorite. And um, there's this white Earth Eater going around destroying all these worlds. And um, Commandy gets grabbed by somebody, and it happens to be a very old Blue Beetle who now has a glove that talks and that is now skeets and boosters like, Hey, we're trying to gather up all these people to end this devastating event that's taking place. I need you to come with me. And as he's about to take Amanda and take off, he is shot by an arrow from gigantic werewolf bat looking like things and dies. So he grabs the um, glove from old booster, puts it on, and now he's got skeets on his arm. And, uh, and then it hops from planet to planet saying that everybody's feeling this disturbance where it's going to start taking over the world. And Commandy's now the one that's responsible to go out and retrieve all these other heroes to help uh, save the world. But he doesn't have the best timing because when he shows up, the people that he wants aren't there, so he has to end up taking like a secondary. So for example, uh, or in this case, he ends up uh, in the 31st century with the Legion. And Skeets goes, hey, grab this guy right here. And so Commandy grabs him, but Skeets wanted Brainiac 5, and Commandy accidentally grabs Superboy. And then, all of a sudden, this is kind of cool, dinosaurs show up, and so the Legion then has to start fighting dinosaurs. And everybody's down with a good old Legion fighting dinosaurs type thing. So, um, and then Commandy goes after... Uh, to year, the year 1993, and I think and he's supposed to pick up Cyborg Superman, but he ends up grabbing Steel and hop forward. And uh, maybe this is where I read this, Nick. Commandy shows up, and Dr. Light is starting to fight Hector Hand- Hammond, and he grabs Dr. Light. And maybe that's where I was thinking that she could start talking. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that this is the one I was thinking of. Sorry. <laughs> Never said in <laughs> crisis at all. Um, and then Commandy is still hopping around, and he ends up grabbing... He goes to go grab Superman, and Superman's busy, about to take off from the top of the Daily Planet to t- deal with something, and who shows up but Booster Gold. And the skeets on the glove convinces Booster to come join them. And then they go to the Teen Titans and they end up grabbing Starfire. I don't get everybody's fascination with Starfire. Um, it's because she's got huge jugs. That, that's got to be it. Like, I just, she wears a small costume. She has giant boobs. And she's, uh, what, seven foot tall? Yeah. 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 <laughs> not a character I care about, but anyhow. And then you see Adam Strange, and he's supposed to grab Adam Strange, but guess who shows up? 
Sinestro when he was a Green Lantern trying to save the planet and Commander grabs him. So we end up with uh, all these characters and then he's told that he needs to go get a Batman and he ends up going to 1939 and retrieving the Batman from 1939. And they explain everything that's going on, Skeets and Commandy do. And then the linear men show up, led by Omac, and they all start fighting each other out in space. Um, And battle on, battle on, battle on. And all the world... Well, you can see all these worlds starting to merge and get eaten up by this uh, void that's coming through. Uh, the void reminded me very much of um, Never Ending Story that's eaten all the planet, you know. And um, so all the characters that he grabbed end up getting warped to different time frames than what they were from. And now they have to start figuring out what's going on. And they focus on Batman. And he shows up. And he starts fighting. Uh, He gets captured. Is almost captured by some uh, futuristic looking guys. And um, we see the main villain. And he's talking to that crew crew that was led by Omac and saying, hey... I've made all the arrangements. Everything's going to happen the way I want it to happen. This void's going to happen the way I want it to happen. And he goes through this door. And it kind of looks like the beginning of the Twilight Zone with the uh, floating stairs and cl- like a closet. And um, He opens this other door, and it's all in black and white. And it shows him having transformed from being this massive villain to being a husband and a father to these kids in this black and white time frame. And it's supposed to be continued on in Generations Forged. So they get you by this big book to get you to read the next series. Um, Avoid it. It wasn't great. Now I will tell you something that um, I've been really surprised by. So DC has been doing these future state books and I've only been picking up a few of them here or there. I haven't been going after all of them. Obviously I'm getting the Green Lantern one and I went ahead and grabbed the Justice League one because Joe from Far Sector. Far Sector. Thank you. I had future state still stuck in my head. uh, Is part of the Justice League. So with the Green Lantern one uh, I also wanted to see what the Green Lantern was going to be like because it, the first story is all about Alan Scott and he's the guy that wrote it is going to be the one that does the new Green Lantern series. And I will tell you this was crap. It was not good. Uh, we saw Nort more as a dog-type creature. Um, the rings don't work anymore. So they are leading a rebellion with weapons opposed to the rings. Um, Silac's still alive somehow. It focuses on John, Silac, and Nort. And yeah, not good. But it has two other stories in it. 
The second one is about Jessica Cruz. And this one was fantastic. Uh, again, she doesn't have her ring. Um, she's on this base. Three old lanterns show up because they heard that the Green Lanterns are all supposed to be meeting. And um, she starts taking them out one by one, like John McClane in Die Hard. And I, it is just fantastic how, you know, um, she tricks them and captures them. Um, and she takes out the leader, Lila Dark, and, uh, I mean, like, just takes her out. And all of a sudden, a yellow ring comes flying over to her and says, you have the power to um, show her to cause great fear. She scared the crap out of the yellow lanterns, and that's how she got the ring. Very good story. And then um, the last story was about Guy and how he has a little bit of juice left on his ring and he goes to this planet to help them and the juice runs out on the ring and he lands on this planet. There's a civil war going on um, where these two tribes basically just argue over everything. And so guy is telling him to knock it off and they do a time jump one year later and how everybody is getting along as long as, they do what Guy says. If they have to make a decision themselves, they're just going to start fighting again. And um, he teaches them how to play foosball. And then 25 years later, uh, it's still going great. And then they start fighting over uh, saying that Guy is a false prophet now because they thought he was a prophet. And um, they start fighting. Half of them still believe in him. The other half don't. And Lobo shows up and says, no, I'm actually your prophet. And that's where they leave off. So Guy's stuck on a planet with Lobo. All right. Finally, the Future State Justice League. Um, this was wow. This was an amazing, amazing book. Um, this is not the standard Justice League. This is where John is Superboy and... Uh, Wonder Woman is I can't remember who Wonder Woman is The Flash is futuristic Joe's the Green Lantern um, I'm blanking on who's supposed to be the Batman Aquaman's daughter is Aquaman or Aquaman um, and it starts off with uh, the League of uh, Doom or Legion of Doom are all conceive or end up with a plan to take out the Justice League, and the next page you see the Justice League there, and they're like, "Who would have taken out the Legion of Doom?" And they were all trying to figure out how or who killed the Legion of Doom, and uh, Joe or you know Flash runs around to make sure there's nobody there, nobody's there. Joe's like, you know what, I will go ahead and look into this. You guys go ahead and take off. Um, and they called her the world's greatest detective in this. And um, you find out that 
the Justice League, the previous Justice League, put it in place where they were not allowed to know each other's secret identities anymore and spend time with each other outside of when a major issue came up and they had to for- get together to uh, deal with that issue. Otherwise, super superheroes were not hanging out with each other anymore due to uh, being betrayed, the previous Justice League being betrayed. And um, then all of a sudden you just start seeing um, like these guys, show, or like Superman shows up at Aquawoman's place with Wonder Woman and they start attacking Aquawoman. And Joe's standing there and Superman's talking to Joe, the Green Lantern, and she's like, you're not Superman. And she has her ring scanned him and it comes up and says, this is Superman. And they, so like these other versions of the Justice League are taking out the real Justice League. And you come to find out that they are white Martians. And they're planning on taking over the world. Fantastic. Fantastic story. Absolutely check it out. And then the second one, uh, Nick, you'll appreciate this. It was uh, Justice League Dark. And um, our buddy, the Detective Chimp, nice. is now the Inspector carrier... Chimp? Of the demon. What? Yeah. <laughs> Man, so, I need to read those. I have all of them, but I just need to read that. Yeah. Oh, I probably, sorry. I should have given away everything. Oh, but, no, man. It's fine. Oh, it was a great, great story. Um, I can't wait to read more. So I've got a few other future states I haven't touched yet, but highly recommend the Justice League one. Um, I recommend the Green Lantern one for the back two issue or back two stories. Uh, they're great, very enjoyable. Uh, definitely check them out. Um, I heard great things about the Nightwing one too, and I didn't pick that one up. But uh, yeah, absolutely look into those. Oof, sorry, a lot of talking. So I got I got one more. Okay. So like you guys know, I've been doing some research into Golden Age stuff and i came across one called my secret story and it's a three three stories it's, this is meant for girls it's a girl comic from 1950 um there's three stories in it called bad girls confession my husband hated me and they called me a two-timer right so um i love the cover and it's, it's an amazing cover but the stories inside are a little weird Right, so you think this this story called "Bad Girls Confession" would be about this bad girl from the fifties? No. So this story is very tame. Um, <laughs> and if if this was a reason for the seduction of the innocence thing, I, I do have no idea why this would ever be. Uh, like, so this is a story about a woman named Roberta Dave, right? And it starts out, my name is Roberta Dave, born without love, hated, scorned, rejected. There was no room for me in anyone's heart until one man offered me the wrong kind of love. Okay, it's got, it's okay, it starts out pretty good, right? So 
she's the oldest of six children. She's living with her father and her stepmother. And her stepmother is pretty much working her to the bone. And she's 15. And, and like, all she does is work at home. Like, she's just doing that. And she's, she's calling it abuse, right? She's like, oh, my God. I will never do any more household chores around here at all. And then her dad and her mom are like, well, okay, I guess you're gone. You're, you're going to go to a special school for, for bad girls because you don't want to do housework. She's 15 and she doesn't want to do housework. So they send her to a, a cheap boarding school and it's, it's, it's like the school from um, uh, the Queen's Gambit, right? Oh, yeah. So it's, it's they've, all these beds are on the line, right? And all she does all day is work, right? She cries that nobody loves her and, you know, she's not allowed to talk to any of the girls during dinner. Um, even the people that run the place are like, that poor girl, she's not really bad. She just needs somebody to love her, right? And, and then in the next panel, hurry up, Roberta. You got more work to do. She's like, I'm sorry, I'll hurry, ma'am. And she goes into her room and she faints, right? And the school is like, well, we can't do anything with her. I mean, she she faints. She can't do any work. So we're sending her back home. And her dad's like, that's going to be very difficult. There, you know, something, something, nothing will come of this. You know, we, we she's nothing but trouble. Uh, and we don't even have room for her. Wow, what an a-hole. So, <laughs> so they take her back and they're, and her stepmom's like, okay, now you're 16. You need to go find a job. Okay, I'll try. So she gets a job as a nanny, right? And she gets a room over, she gets her own room. She gets clothes. She gets money. She ha- She's even trusted enough to watch the kid alone, right? And so they're all getting to be good friends. The mom really likes her. The dad really likes her. The kid likes her. And the, the mom has to leave for some reason. She gets a telegram and her mom's ill. She has to leave. So she takes off and she's left there with the dad and the kid. And the dad, Harvey kind of has like these ulterior motives, right? So he puts the moves on her. He's like, the baby's crying. She's like, I don't hear a baby. Just come down here, right? And he grabs her in his arms. And just at that time, the wife comes in. And she's like, I trusted you. How could you do this behind my back? Get out, right? And doesn't even let Roberta even explain. And the dude, Harvey's like, there is nothing to explain, Roberta. Pack your suitcase and go, right? So they automatically just take her word for it. She's like struggling to get out of this guy's arms. And he's like, I'm going to kiss you. Right. And the wife just automatically assumes that this 16 year old girl is trying to get on this 30 year old man. So she has nowhere to go. So she decides to go back home. Right. And she, and every time you see this house, it gets worse and worse. So there it's like the slum, the, the, now the, the porch, the wood is all deteriorated. The kids are wearing like suspenders or overalls with like one strap. Their, their clothes are all ripped up. And she, she goes to the door and her stepmother comes in and she answers the door. And she's like, your father left us. He's living in a rooming house uptown. 
and you can't come back here. Just go and live with him. And she goes uptown. She uh, she walks. Actually, took, took a bus, and she finally meets to her dad, and he's like, "Oh God, you're back. Great, again. Yeah, come on in." And he's like, um, "I'll try to help you, but I can't do much. You know, you're a grown up now. She's like 17, and she's like." I'll try to get a job. And she's like, why does nobody want me? I'm like, not a bad kid. I'm just, I just having a hard time. Right. So she goes and she lives in this residence home for women called Graham hall. And she starts making friends and she's starting to go to church and in church, she meets a guy. Um, what's his name? Jerry. Right. So she and Jerry start hitting it off. Right. And they start dating and, he takes her to meet his parents and his parents are really well to do. And she's from this slummy house. Right. And she's like, I'm not worthy of you. And she, she's like, I never want to see you again. Goodbye. Right. Just don't follow me. Just go away. And so she starts ignoring everything she does or everything. He, he like calls her. He like comes to the house just for completely ghosts him. And one night she's home in the, in the house by herself and all the other girls are out, you know, dating their, their, their boyfriends. And she decides to go into one of the more well-off girls named Diana. And she tries on her clothes and Diana comes home and she's, she's like, Oh shit, I got to hide in the closet. I don't want Diana to see me wearing her clothes. And she tells them like, Diana's like, Oh my God, my bracelets, my earrings, they're all gone. You know? And instead of telling the truth, Roberta just kind of like tells them that somebody broke in, right? But th- but then they find all of her stuff in her room, like all of Diana's stuff in her room, and they kick her out, right? And they they put her on trial. They put her on trial for like three hundred dollars with the clothes, which I guess in nineteen fifty that's probably like five grand, right? But anyway, so they put her on trial, and they're about to sentence her to something for being a thief. Right. And in comes Jerry, like, wait, you know, you know, this, she's, she's not a bad kid. You know, even, even the judge is like, you're not a bad kid. You just just need to, you know, instead of just telling the truth that she did, she got in all this trouble. But anyway, and Jerry comes in, he's like, you know what? I'm going to make an honest woman out of you. You're going to marry me. We're going to go off and we're going to have, you know, babies and grandchildren and whatever and that's the story wow that is that is the bad girl's confession huh yeah that is not a bad girl (laughs) that is just uh shitty parents wow so yeah scandalous crazy oh i get it now yeah <laughs> Oof. oh all right Oof. um what do we got for news do we have any news 
Uh, no, not that I know of. I know you've been a little bit chaotic. Have you had a chance to watch any of that Wandavision? Yeah, we uh, we got up to four. How is it? It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard different sides of it. Yeah, um, if you're a huge fan of, like I am, like my favorite Avengers stories are always the Vision, Scarlet Witch, Wonder Man, Ultron stories with the Grim Reaper. So this is like right there, right? This is like, this is the perfect thing for me. And if if you don't like Vision and Scarlet Witch, then you're not going to like it. But um, you got to give it to episode four. If uh, if you say you're bored with it because you don't understand it in like 20 minutes, then why are you watching it in the first place? Yeah, you, you know what it is. It's weird, but there's there's a lot of like little things that they've thrown in there. Like I think a lot of red herrings too. Oh really? Yep, a lot of red herrings. Like I'm uh, looking forward to seeing it. Hi. What's up, kiddo? My, my clothes are What? My clothes are It's water. We'll go ask mom to change them. <laughs> She's outside. Well, come on. I'll do it in a second, okay? Uh, yeah. Uh, go check it out. It's it's actually really cool. Awesome. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I've spent all week watching because I now that my wife is upstairs working so i got to watch a lot of stuff down here like uh, i watched every episode of speed racer oh, wow and i watched uh the last two seasons of wonder woman like two and three whoa and uh justice league unlimited i watched all of that and i get yeah, just a lot of stuff oh so I'm, yeah, I'm not quite sure that they meant for Wonder Woman to be in HD because she <laughs> she doesn't wear a bra a lot, and uh, on normal TV that would be fine, but on uh, in HD you can see a lot more. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. It's like that whole uh, Scrooge thing, you know? Yeah. Is, is that a nipple? No, that's not. Yeah, it's a nip. No, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh. But yeah. I was trying to think of if there's anything else going on. Oh! Uh, I did finally land the Green Lantern 3-pack. Nice! You finally got it? Pop Culture Exchange had it. I was like, yeah, find that. <laughs> So, yeah, I just picked that up the other day. Um, Saw that they're doing a whole bunch of um, Dilbert Pops and um, trying to think of what else I saw. They did a Modoc Pop. Have you seen the Modoc Pop? Uh, No, not yet. Oh, there's some good ones out there. We're coming out soon. And that's the that's what I was trying to remember. Hot topic. 
is going to start having exclusive Green Lantern themed pop figures. Really? Starting in February. Yep. So, because I have nothing else to claw, I'm clearly going to be chasing after those. Um, (laughs) Other than that, I can't think of anything that I've read that is like, oh, wow. Um, yeah got nothing all right um cool. scott were you hopping on tonight to do one of your aloha hey scott there he is Hi. Yeah, I'm hopping on tonight because I need to know who published that bad girl story. I need to know this. Let's see. <laughs> Published monthly by Superior Publishers in Canada. Wow, never heard of them. That's yeah, right. on me. But that <laughs> it made for an amazing podcast segment. Though. <laughs> I'm sure it did. <laughs> yeah, she's such a bad girl. I probably woke someone up laughing so hard. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you oh, can't wait to something a little worse. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to get into like the love <laughs> comics and find some of those. I am so glad that I requested that. Yeah, thanks, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, 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 um, to answer uh, the question that was asked me, uh, no, I'm not reviewing a web comic this time. Um, because uh, a lot of the web comics that I uh, previously mentioned have been updated recently, so I'm uh, catching up on those instead. Well, well, it was it kind sense. of a pattern. It's I would review something on this show, and then they'd stop putting out oh. uh, new strips immediately afterward for a few months. But uh, <laughs> now a lot of them have uh, gotten back into it, so that's been good. Instead, I was going to mention the uh, cyberpunk comic book that was put out by Dark Horse. And I've read that on Comixology, which is close enough to being a webcomic. Sophie. So I. Hey, Sophie. Yeah, she's down here banging into things. Hey, that's production value right there. All right. The sound effects. <laughs> Jeez. We want more of that. Yeah. <laughs> that's what people are going to remember. Oh, I posted a um, few screen caps over in the Discord channel of issue number four because it was a four-issue miniseries. And... Um, uh, what you're seeing here is uh, very typical of how it was. It was, it was not good. <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, 
Uh, characters are fairly fleshed out. Uh, uh, the very few that you see. The um, it's. And nice if you're really into the cyberpunk setting like I am, if you're really interested in the lore, although you don't actually learn anything new about it. And as but uh, my my hang up is the story here. I and I want to play a little game. Okay. Now, suppose that you were tasked with writing a cyberpunk story about uh, Trauma Team, which is a uh, company of uh, soldiers and paramedics who uh, go around in flying ambulances, and uh, they pull their clients out of firefights and stabilize them and take them to the hospital. Okay, Knowing that, tell me the story that you would write. Just right off the top of your head. Come on, guys. Come um, up with something here. So probably like a focus on a squad that mm-hmm. and the day in the life of kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. That's kind of what I would I would imagine, I guess. I'm not familiar mm-hmm. with the cyberpunk universe, but I mean, from what you right. told me, I think it would be fairly safe to assume that you would probably have a couple of two, three main characters and how they respond to the different types of environment and how they're handling the situation. Like I imagine, you know, like a, a Grey's Anatomy in space or something like that, only a little more action packed. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're doing really well so far. Um, do you, would you like to add anything? Or quit while you're ahead. I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> Don't forget guns. Okay. Got to have a lot of guns. Yep. Okay. Yeah. There are a lot of guns. Okay. Anything else? Because the this story that you stuff. guys are telling is exactly what's in the book. It is the most obvious story arc possible. <laughs> <laughs> It's like um, they uh, it's like an improvised elevator pitch that got a, <laughs> that got greenlit and they didn't change it after they made the pitch. Yeah, so it's kind of like a synopsis that they just made it like fleshed it out. Like, hey, we're gonna make this team that goes in and saves people and yeah, and then they just wrote the whole thing just like that. Yeah, and so um, it gets better uh, as the four issues go along, uh, but it never gets polished. And as you can see from the artwork, I mean, I the artwork is good. It uh, shows nice action sequences, nice characters, but uh, there are a lot of panels in which the background characters are just not even colored. They're just monocolor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or there is no background, and I don't think that's a stylistic change. I think that they that nobody uh, put in even one more minute <laughs> into this project than was absolutely required. Wow. 
Yeah, the... I don't Just regret reading it, but I also wouldn't recommend it. Huh. Because weren't no there was you that said you're you missed an issue of it or something, wasn't it? I think you missed the first issue of it or something because it flew off the shelves? Uh yeah, that's why I uh went into uh that's why I read it on Comixology. Okay. So it's a, it was supposed to be like a hit book, but I have clearly... no idea how it sold. <laughs> uh, I, I, okay, I didn't word that well. I have no idea if it sold well or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, thank you for playing the game. Uh, you guys won. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally pull ahead on something. I'll take it. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> oh, what else you been up to, Scott? Oh, I... I... Uh been doing a fair amount of gaming actually i uh ran a cyberpunk game last week or a couple of weeks back uh just before the show i was running a game a little indie role-playing game called paleomythic it's a fun game written by an archaeologist about cavemen and cave women hmm. that was actually requested believe it or not <laughs> And, yeah, that's potential. Uh, yeah, and I'm uh, working on a semi. I'm working on a secret gaming project, which actually isn't that secret. It just wouldn't interest you guys. So, <laughs> so I'm staying busy. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, wow. um, all right, but that's all I got. So. All right. uh, Thank you uh, for allowing me to rant for a little bit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Anytime yeah, no you want to. You listen to us rant every every <laughs> week we have a show. So <laughs> feel free. Come on in and join us in the ranting. All right. Good night, guys. Nice, Scott. Scott. All right. Well, I guess that'll wrap us up for this week. Um Thanks for listening, and uh, feel free to check out our other podcast, uh, the Hunting and Timothy comic book podcast, and it's about the Books of Magic, Volume 2. So uh, until next time, it's been Ryan. And Nick. And we'll talk to you later. Bye, guys. See you.